Welcome everyone to episode nine. Today we are changing it up, aren't we, Becky? We are changing it up and giving you a little, little bit of background. A little bit of background. Yep, lots of background. This episode is titled Background Checks. Hold Mm -hmm. on to your hats. Okay, everyone, episode nine, here we are. Mm, Episode nine. So we are going to talk a little bit more intimately with Becky for the next however long. And I want to get underneath today's topics around careers, industries, what we're made up of, what are our hidden talents, what are the talents we Mm. might not know that we've got, et cetera. So first of all, Becky, my question for you is what did you want to be when you were younger? Like what was the area you wanted to go into? Oh, it was so I didn't end up in. Um, well, actually, I wanted to be a vet. You would be a vet. Yeah. So you then, always loved animals. I've always loved animals. Did you yeah. have many animals as a kid? Yes, well, as many as I was able. But I'd be a rubbish vet because I'd have everything at home and I. Oh, so yeah. too emotionally connected. To yes. Animals. How it, many animals have you got now in your home? I've got two dogs, two cats, two fish. She keeps telling me there's two fish in the fish tank that I stare in, but I, I don't know. I still reckon I only see one. Look, I would like to comment on how clear the water is today, though. <laughs> I do that for you. <laughs> water clarity, because in my positioning here at the kitchen table with the professional setup, we are staring at the fish tank. Yes, well, as is always the way with mothers, the animals become my responsibility. So there's four extra, well, six extra mouths to feed, feed in the morning. Literally. Yeah, mm. right. Okay, so you wanted to be a vet. And I wanted then... to be a vet, and then I realised it was seven years of is study. It seven years? It was then. It might be. There might be different pathways now, but yeah, then right. it was seven years. That's a big well plus I failed um the sciences so that was the Ah, end of that right okay so my next question is what was your first job first paid job first paid job was a waitress at uh, a garden center in the UK Knights garden Garden center Center, I'm sure they're listening (laughs) hang on it was a garden center but it was was a garden center with a coffee shop called the conservatory and the night trendy well beyond its time before it's time sunny sorry and it was uh they were very um rich family and they own Knights Garden Centre. I got asked by a listener yesterday actually oh, where you were from. Yeah, sunny I Surrey. said Cornwell. Oh did you? Where'd you get that from? Oh that's because my friend Dave's from there. Oh I was originally from Wales but I ended up in Surrey. Yeah oh. so I was a waitress and um, they were really strict. So if I was too chatty that right. I'd have to go out the back and grate the big catering blocks of cheese. Whoa. So that's a shit job? Yeah and I was starving all the time. I hate I was giving food people, giving food, food to, to people, people and right. starving. So, how long did you waitress for? Oh, a long time. It's um, was this like your after school job? Yeah, it was a weekend job. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. So I did it for a long time. I did it at two of their venues. Um, and yeah, I must admit, I didn't love it. You didn't love it? No, I've never done it again since. Oh, love this. Only to my children. Love it. Now, what about school? School finishes. Did School you, did you finishes. Do, did you do year 11 and 12? Yes. Uh, it's different in the UK. So yeah, I did GCSEs, yep. which I passed. And I then was going to go into sixth form to do A-levels. A-levels. Yes. Um, one was photography. One was something else. Anyway, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But I wasn't ready for uni. Mm. And my parents mm-hmm. at that point had a private school in the UK. They ran a private school. Yes, at that point they did. It's a long story. Wow. None of my parents are teachers. Yeah, but anyway, they ended up. They ran a, private, a pri- sc- private school. Yes, but it, you didn't go to it. No, it was when I was a teenager. Right. Uh, my mum used to work there, and then my parents ended up taking it over, Got it. buying it. So, um, I my mum offered me a job in the nursery, and she said, "Look, just do this, 
pass your driving license oh, in the nursery in the nursery meaning the school in the nursery the meaning with children got yes. it yeah, little you guys children call it nursery what do we call it child care okay child care. yeah so i was 17 and i was like all right then right but i loved it oh you loved it i did i i absolutely loved it wow and you loved the kids i did i absolutely loved them i just i was in my element and i loved the um so organization what, what? side yeah, of right. it and the art and mm. how old were they Oh, they were tiddlies. They were like two and three. They were gorgeous. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And how long did you work there for? Oh, my goodness. I worked there. I can't remember when I started, but when I left, it was about 2000 because my parents sold up. Rude. Wow. How yeah. dare they? They sold up and moved to So were you to Spain, running the nursery section? France, like that rather. was your kind of jam? I did in the end, yeah. So I studied while I worked then. Ah, so I got some qualifications. Got it. And then my parents decided to pull the pin that they'd had enough and that i think i was 21 and they decided they were selling up and they were moving to france oh love yeah. this cut those old apron strings right off got it off they went so i went to another school in reigate another nursery job um and i didn't love it the next one you didn't love no i didn't and actually when my parents were selling everything off my dad was saying you should open your own one but i didn't think i had enough experience at that time at that very point so i went and worked at this other choir school um for just over a year then i was um gonna get married and stuff like that and oh. i decided i was gonna set up on my own oh my god i love this for you yes it's very exciting so i opened a day nursery in lingfield in surrey again i'm sure how old were you 25 when i did 25 when you opened your own business yes i was married so it yeah, was but still, um, that's yeah fucking nasty, it was huge we bought a farm yep and we opened a daycare center on it and um yeah wow it's unique selling point was that it was on a farm and we had animals and we also had webcams so this is yeah 2003 we opened I so think. webcams were like it was new, new. That, yeah, was, that was yeah, our 100%. unique selling point so you could drop your children off at this farm in surrey you could animals. go to work and then you could log on and then oh. you could watch them playing yeah see i feel like you've yeah. 25 and you open a own business like that that's fucking next level yeah. and i was um it well it ticked so many of the boxes i was a bit broody yep. and i loved animals so there started ah. my little small holding project and i killed so many killed so many what animals <laughs> you killed animals <laughs> okay becky i'm pretty sure you said killing animals yes i should clarify it was accidental okay um, what type of animals purely down to my own ignorance well i was so enthusiastic and we wanted farm eggs right in a farm setting yeah and duck eggs and i've always loved Aylesbury ducks you know um they're white with oh orange i love them beak. yes yeah, yeah, like, they're beautiful yeah yeah they're beautiful michael beatrix potter yes so i sourced some yes and i went to pick them up so we're talking it's british summertime so it was it's quite hot what is what's british summer um it would have been july time no 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 as in like what temperatures it get to oh like 35. it probably wasn't that hot. okay right but it was a nice hot sunny day mm -hmm. by british standards so off i went to collect the ducks mm -hmm. and um i was getting six for myself and three for a friend who had a farm up the road yep so i go with my box at my crates i think mm -hmm. it was like milk crates or something yep and i had a um we call it an estate car, but what do you call it? A station wagon. Like, oh, uh, yes. Station yeah, wagon. So it's in one of those. What do you call it? Um, an estate. An yeah, estate it was a black car. Audi. It looked like a hearse. Oh, yeah, hearse. Quite, yep. You know, quite 
Got it. Relevant. Anyway, <laughs> so off I go and I collect the ducks off this guy and they're all lovely. I'm so excited and I put them in the boot of the car and because they don't want to get stressed, I put the towel over them oh, to fuck. stop them, you know, from getting all stressed. Anyway, when I got back to the farm, yep. it would happen that my uh, online shopping was being delivered to right. the nursery. So I stopped and took the stuff off the guy. Da, 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 da. While the ducks were in the back of the car. While the ducks were in the back of the car. And um, still with the blanket, the towel. With the towel to prevent them being stressed. Over the top of them? Yes. Anyway. Did you leave the car running? No. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I know. So to cut a long story short. Oh, no. When I opened the back of the car, yeah. the boot, yes. um, some of them were sauteed. Yeah. Hang on. Devastated. What do you mean? Well, they, they were unalived. How many of them? A good few of them. So I got them out straight away and I... Did my, you know what you'd done? Yeah, my friend, um, she'd sent her husband and her son down to collect them. Her son was only a toddler, he was oh. like three. Had you um, defined which three were hers yet? Uh, not at this point. <laughs> <laughs> one dead one, one sick one. So get them all out and take them to the pond and like trying to revive them. And... Um, Oh, I know it was horrible. so sad. It was awful, and so I phoned my friend. Bearing in mind she's got her son and her husband at my farm, and I phone her up, and I'm such an animal lover. I'm absolutely distraught. Aww. And she answers the phone, and I'm just going, "You, you won't Aww. believe what's happened." And she was mortified because she thought something had happened to with her son, kid. and she said, "Stop and tell me what's happened." And Aww. I'm like, "I've killed the ducks." Oh fuck! Yeah, so how many did you kill? Um, two thirds of them. Wow. And the others weren't right. So they never the really recovered? They didn't recover. Oh, I did shit. have a nice life. It was awful. I was just, I thought I was doing the right thing, but. The blanket. It was a towel. Sorry, the towel. A towel over ducks in the car. But they were in like a milk crate. It was one, yeah. Wow. I still feel very bad. I yeah. still feel very, very oh, bad. I've actually, I've killed a duck. How? Well. I was on my bike and I had Dakota on the back of the bike. You know those bikes that connect to you? Oh, and they're yeah. like, they pretend they're riding, but they're connected to yours. We were riding back through Surfers Paradise and we went like down the hill into the, like, the National Park. And as a bit of a joke, I went, I know the ducks, but I got one. <laughs> oh, no, I felt terrible. I how felt was, terrible. How was Dakota? Well, he. Like, don't worry, darling, mummy's just... I remember my ex-girlfriend was right. She's like, did you just actually swerve to hit that and you hit it? So she was a huge oh. animal lover. And I wasn't really an animal lover, so I didn't feel as bad as I'm feeling right now that I did oh. deliberately do that. I didn't mean to hit it. It was like, oh, I'm going to pretend to hit it, but then I hit it. Well, was it just... It was terrible. And then speaking of dead ducks, when we lived on um, the Gold Coast, we lived back onto the canal... We probably saw at least five that would float by that were dead. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. What? Well, we don't know, but we, I mean, I love ducks after living there because we had probably 50, I 30 love, to 50. I love all animals, but I'm not, um, I don't know everything about their husbandry, uh, which again played out. I had two orphan sheep. Right. What from do you a mean? local farm. Oh, so I, I bottle fed them and they were brilliant for the children and they would jump and they were just the most lovely things anyway we had to get rid of one because he kept trying it on with the other one right so I was she a lesbian do you think uh they were both male oh right. they're called rafferty and wesley oh and, uh, one was, was, black, one was white and yeah 
the white one kept having a black one, so I got rid of the white one. And um, yeah, the black one. So did you live on this farm as well? Yes, as... our house so was on the farm as well. You lived so on the farm. Labor of love. And you had nursery and you had animals. Yeah. And how long did you have this business for? From 2003 to 2008. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And, but... how, and you would have had your children then, a couple of yes, kids? Yes, I did. So they went into um, the nursery as well wow so is that good that you can have kids and then pop them like did you have much time off with them or did you feel obligated to go straight back i felt obligated to go straight back actually yeah and i would have too yeah that's a bit annoying it, how, long did, how long did you have off? my babies in there you yeah. know so I said, oh, when are you going to put bella in you know because yeah. she was a newborn and we took them from three months yeah right so, and so how many teachers did you have Oh, God, we had lots. So some would just do part time, some would do full time. We wow. were registered for fifty children a wow. day. Wow! Yeah, from three months to this is age. awesome. Like I can see why it went well. If I could have, if you could get your kids into a daycare and it's got animals and farm, and that's cool as. Yeah, we did a lot of outside. What was it called? Stuff. Lingfield Nursery School Lingfield at Bank Nursery Farm. Nursery School at Bank Farm. Wow, that's so English. It I was love good. it. Yeah, so you could drop, and we were in the commuter belt of London, so you could right. drop your child off on the way, and then catch a train, and then pick them. You know, we were open until like six thirty or whatever. Oh my god, this is fascinating. I want to know what you did after that. This is so interesting, Becky. I'm loving that this is all for the first time. I'm hearing all of this information. Yeah, the backstory. So good on you. 25 starting your own childcare business is massive. And so then what? You came to Australia. Well, yeah, so it went very well. But, you know, there's always things when you've got employees, isn't there? There's always things that um, are stressful. Yeah, and... so what, what weren't you good at? What were the bits you weren't good at? Um, I'm very good with people and I'm very good with children. Are you good with staff? But yes, I'm I'm good with good staff. Yep. Um I think it was more we were on site and it kind of never ended. Yeah, Plus absolutely. obviously there was the animal side of it as well. So there was it was a lot of work. And did your um, husband work in the business on the farm? Yeah, he not in the business, he had a glass right. business on the farm. Yeah, ex ex-husband. Ex, ex, ex. Um and I also found, I'll tell you what I found actually, and I think a lot of women will relate to this. I was doing many things. So yep. I would work in there. I was also a mum, a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I started the business, I did every job. I was chef, I was cleaner, oh, wow. I did everything. Yeah. And I did anything I was going to ask anyone else to do. You know, you I knew yep. the business yep. inside and out. And um, then... I went on to have my first baby in 2005, mm-hmm. um, so a couple of years in, and it's all going very well. And I had, oh, goodness, yeah, so my first two daughters are a year and four days apart. Wow. Yeah, so literally the first time we went out as a couple after having Gracie yep. and had a few drinks and came you back, pregnant. I got pregnant with Bella, yeah, Fuck. immediately. People were like, what were you even doing? What well, we, why were we even having sex? I had C-section C, so it was all. Well, you can have sex after six weeks, come on. Yeah, so that was that. I was pregnant again, um, which took a toll on my body and I was exhausted all the time. And Gracie was a full-on baby. Still a full-on girl, isn't she? Yeah. Um, She's just bouncy. Bouncy. And immediately, isn't it funny how they just come out? Oh, she came out, you know, that was it. Bang. My my Harvey's the same. He was was four, five, four and a half weeks prem. And he's just same. Yeah. Not Dakota. Just, Dakota's and, just cruising in there for as long as he can. And I'd worked with children by this point for years. Mm. And I think I thought that you had them and then you 
the personality is kind of nurtured. No. But it's completely not. It's no. just natural. They come out with it. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just got to run with it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I found that after a while I wasn't – I was doing many things and I wasn't doing any of them very well. Yeah. So I was dissatisfied with how and I was being a parent. And you recognised that? Did you have yeah. a business coach? Did you have any help? Absolutely not. No, so none of that existed. No, I just felt I was spreading myself too, too thinly thin. and yep. not doing anything yep. really well. Um, and my marriage probably it wasn't in a good spot because it was very traditional marriage. So he would be out a lot in the evenings. I was at home with the well, children. Well, I wouldn't say it's traditional because you're working your ass off. Yeah, probably, business. probably wasn't. So back then, that's not traditional, right? Traditional yeah. would have been you were tied to the kitchen sink, but you were that yeah. as well. Yeah, and he just wasn't. I just felt like I didn't have much support. And my yeah. family, they'd moved away. Um, they were living abroad at yeah. this point. So I did have brothers, but they weren't. Um, you know, married or anything like that. So yeah, I and I was a support for them as well. Yeah. Um. So it's cut a very long. So you weren't swinging from the rafters at night. No, (laughs) I was looking after my babies and watching. You know, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Anyway, I my husband convinced me to come over here on holiday to Australia to the Gold Coast, and I was. A bit anti, actually. I was so like, why no, I've did got he want two to come babies. For a holiday? We've got friends that moved over here, yep. um, and you know, he said, "Oh no, I'll help you on the aeroplane. It'll be fine." Because obviously, they were they were only little, mm. and he did actually. He did to be fair, give him his shoes that once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did that one flight that once. Uh, we came out here on a holiday and stayed with friends, and I was literally here for three days, and that you was loved it. it. Oh, you I loved was, it. I absolutely was like I don't want to go home I you're kidding no I loved it I oh. found it was just set up for families you yeah, know I've every... never felt that about anywhere oh. except here yeah oh, oh just fantastic yeah. there was parks everywhere they yeah. were clean there's barbecues in the parks yeah. and I was just like that's it this is where we're going yeah so you didn't even take convincing you were like we're moving here no I I was like no I'm done I, I if I could have done it I wouldn't have gone back at if all I could have to done, pack up yeah I, I was just here Wow. And then that was it. I was just focused. And you've not lived anywhere else, um, only the Gold Coast. You haven't been, have you ever been to Sydney and Melbourne? No, I've still not been. You've never been to Sydney and Melbourne? No, I've been, I've been having babies and raising children. Oh, God. Okay, guys, we need to, we need to take your say podcast mobile. We're going to yeah, go, we're gonna go mobile. Oh, imagine, imagine us in Sydney for two days. Oh. We could have some guests in a little studio. <gasps> Amazing. Okay, Becky, you're in the Gold Coast. So you sell your business? Sell sell the business. Um, and so you sell the business with the house? Yes, very lucky that we right, sold it to, yeah, we sold the whole lot and moved out here. And, and there was no hesitation from you. You were like, get me on the plane. Oh, no, it was the hardest part was getting the visas. Right. And so that was a process. And with the time difference, it was really hard. And I used to get really frustrated on a Friday because right. I knew I'd check your time here. Yeah, and if like, I you, hadn't heard. You're having a beer. <laughs> yeah, if I hadn't heard by you're your lunchtime on a Friday, I was like, oh, I'm not going to hear anything till next week. Yeah, but, right. No, that makes sense. And there was no plan B. We literally we sold everything. And, um, you know, wow. that was it. We were off. So you came with two kids? Came with two children Just and Bella. a husband, yep. Um, yeah, and set up home here on the Gold Coast. Fantastic. And so when you got here, did you then start working or what did you do? No, um, we were in a very good position financially and I was then able to be a stay-at-home Fantastic mother. Yep. And that's what my husband wanted as well. Right. And that's what I wanted for a while because yeah, they were little. And then we I, all want it for a yeah. while. So it was 2008 and then I had another daughter, 2010. Oh, right, of course. Um, and then 
2014, I divorced. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I think we all know a little bit more about Becky. So exciting. So exciting. I hope everyone was holding on to their hats. That's really cool to know, though. Like, I just think, yeah, it's 25, starting your own business is is incredibly massive. And childcare as well. Like, there would have been all the legalities and... Yeah, we were lucky actually to be quite unscathed with all that. I I wouldn't do it again now, but it has made me quite. So now I have ideas, and I think, oh yeah, I'll just do that. And I come you just because it was successful. It yeah, yeah, I yeah. kind of think, oh yeah. Um, Except for that tea bag sanitary napkin one. Again, no one has come to me yet, guys, wanting to invest in that in that invention. But now, so I've pretty much been looking after children and not doing paid work since. Yeah, 2008, and my youngest. I love youngest that you specified paid work. Paid work. Yes, so I was reading a statistic yesterday that they said women that stay at home with children work 180% harder than any paid job. Wow. At a, in a paid job, right, you stop, you get a break, you get lunch, yeah. you get this, you get that. You just don't do that when you're staying at home at all. Yeah, it's, it is very underrated and obviously underpaid. But now my youngest has you know she's been at school for a while yeah well now i'm ready to go now you are i am i'm Pod- off and running now you are a podcaster yes i'm a podcaster okay, that's currently awesome. thank you but so much nikki like i if so if i was asked now oh, so i said what do you do i say oh, i'm a podcaster um would you say that i would yeah absolutely you are we I are would. and this is like we're researching we're constantly thinking talking yeah. we communicate all the time at least 50 times a day yeah Poor Becky didn't know what hit her when I knocked on that front door. <laughs> it was like a whirling dervish. It was only three months ago. <laughs> but, yeah, so I say that, but you've got, even though my story was super exciting, uh, you wouldn't just say you're a podcaster, would you? You've got many strings to your bow, so you would be podcaster, I artist, would say I'm a, business I, coach. I would say if someone said, what do you do? Yeah. I would say I'm an artist and I also do coaching and I run a podcast. Yeah. That's what I would say. And, you know, the three things have my superpowers or what I'm good at in common, which is energy and connection. So the artwork for me is an out. So I get to create. It's very personable. It's colourful. And it's very insular as well because it's very much about me. And at the moment, to be honest, I, I was in the studio yesterday for a few hours I've done two commissions this year, but I haven't done any of my own work. So okay. I've had a real creator block, um, which is hard. And I've pushed through these blocks before and ended up just fucking artwork. So because I've got the coaching business, I've just focused on that for all of the month of January. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't really get in and paint anything for me. Um, and I'm also about to do digital art. So Santa Claus bought me a beautiful iPad with all the bells and whistles on it. Nice. But interestingly enough, you know, we talk about confidence. We mentioned it the other day and I talk about it a lot on my Instagram. I'm such a confident person, but if I get a blocker for something, it's I'm useless. Like at the moment, I've got this beautiful iPad that I had to have and it wasn't cheap. Mm. And it's literally been sitting there now for six weeks. Now I've charged it. I downloaded the app. I know what I've got to create, but I have to learn a whole new program, right? Is that why, is that why you're procrastinating? Yeah, so remember when we, when we learned the podcast, we had to learn how to use it, how to edit it. I, d- I did the same. Stuff, I right? bought all this equipment and, and I, was, I knew it was what I wanted to do, but I didn't have – I had the missing bit, which Correct. was you. Yeah, which was me. So I put it in a cupboard and, exactly. you know, I was thinking, oh, when am I going to get it out? And exactly. Like, so I've gone as far as watching the podcast on the app that I'm using. It's like, right, okay, you, you – 
I didn't watch a podcast, sorry, watched YouTube on it. So I'm like, okay, That's great. What doing so podcast. I'm doing it. I know I've got to do it, but then I still haven't. Yeah, which is just, you know, that's procrastination 101. And I think in the industry I now work in is I now surround myself with like-minded people and I act as that motivator and inspirer mm. from a business perspective. So the coaching part of my business is all about me with my energy and connection and I often supply the nudge that they need. Yeah. Um, I don't work with a one size fits all. I work at the moment only with women. Some women have income, sorry, have income, have industries and jobs and they're happy, but they're not confident in themselves or they're not happy in their lives. Um, yeah, I think that every the, the coaching clients that I have all have a very different reason to start working with me. But it's and, still that miss, they're missing something and they need yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. Piece. And I think it's it, it's like, you know, you you go to, if you were to, um, I use this example all the time, right? if you're going to run a marathon, you don't just get up in the morning and run, right? You yeah. have to follow a plan. You have to have an accountability person. If you're going to lose weight and you're serious about it, you can do it yourself or you can get a nutrition coach. Mm. It's exactly the same with changing your mindset, changing yep. your beha- changing any type of behavior. If you have an accountability person and someone that acts as your coach, you will get there better, right? Like, yeah, that's very true. If you if you keep things the same, 100%. nothing changes. And I, I use the analogy like my parents and our parents' generation. They didn't go to counselors and get seek no. help. They just drank and they just suppressed it. You're yeah. right. You're right, mate. Don't don't you nothing wrong with you. You're okay. Yeah. Don't sook. Push it don't down. say that. Don't say that. Push it down. Push it down. Push it down. And I like I first started getting help counsel wise, like when I was about 30. Mm. So I went to couple of psychologists, found a life coach, went to a counsellor and I worked with one counsellor for about 10 years on and off and, you know, really dealt with a lot of my childhood trauma. So I learned about all of those different concepts. Mm. And so I've always, I've been working with someone at a professional capacity, like literally for 15 years. And I don't think I've ever had more than eight weeks when I've not got someone that I can Gosh, call. Really? No, never. And I think that I prioritize it. And, and yeah. you know, if you looked at me and knew me 20 years ago, I'm a very different person. Yeah. And if I don't, if I'm not comfortable with something, I just keep searching until I get comfortable. Um, and, you know, even through when my relationship broke up, even when I was in my relationship, I was still learning and trying the next thing and wanting mm. to be better. So it's in my nature. And I've learned so much from doing it. Obviously, I've got another career as well. Better, better talk about that bit. Yeah. This space could be yours. If you're a brand and you align with our podcast, get in contact today and you can take up this spot. Right, so Nikki, let me stop you there. Yes. Okay. And I want you to go backwards now. Okay, yes. Um, so what was your very first job? Oh, very, very first very job. Very first paid job. My very first paid job was at a company called McEwen's, which was a little hardware store in Melbourne. And I was a checkout chick. Mm -hmm. And West Farmers, West, not West, West Farmers bought McEwen's and then they became Bunnings. Oh, okay. The Bunnings we all know and love. The Bunnings we all know and love. So my career started there. I was 14 and nine months. I could not wait to earn money. I was money hungry from a really young age. And I reckon... I don't know, probably by 16, I was like a cashier supervisor running the Thursday night, Friday nights by myself. So I'd cash up all the tills. Like I was very, it was very obvious. I was a natural leader. Very driven. Very driven. And I 
I was bossy, right? And just I, I like think more greasy. Yeah, just like a Gracie. But I think what had happened is in the school environment, it was annoying, but put me in a work environment and I kind of thrived, right? Yeah. Because I would get so much shit done. So yeah. I remember we would, you know, we'd bring pellets of stock out and I'd be like against the clock, let's get it done, let's get it done. And I had a lot of fun. So I stayed working there right oh, for a long, long time, but I finished year 12 and then it was still my after-school gig. Yeah. So I can remember through 11 and 12, I worked Thursday night, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Gosh, it took up all your weekend. But we still went out and partied Friday and Saturday nights. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It age. wasn't uncommon for me to be out till two or three. We used to go to a place called KT's and then we'd have one or two hours sleep and then I would open up the store. I used to ride my bike, open up a whole big, it was a massive shop by myself and there'd always be another manager. Um, so there was two of you on. And then, yeah, it was phenomenal. And then when I finished year 12, I decided, I remember my girlfriend and I were like, computers had just started, like they yeah. just come in. And she's like, oh, I think I'm going to do this thing called graphic art. And I'm like, graphic, computer? You can't do, gra- can't do fucking art on the computer? Uh, duh. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm going to do visual art. So we both went separate ways and... I, I mean, I don't have any regrets. I'm not someone that lives with regret, but she then became a graphic artist and has been in that field her Ever whole since. life. And it's taken me another 35 years to go back and get back into art. So I studied art, painting and photography, okay. and I did that for three years. But all the while I still had what then became Bunnings because McEwen's yep. had been bought out on the side. And then Bunnings started to grow. I opened their second warehouse, which was Mentone. And then I worked in their fourth and fifth. And then they had a management trainee program, which was like, you know, a night school thing. And they yeah. paid for you to go to RMIT. And I'd finished the art thing and I loved it. I loved art school. Totally so how old are you now? Yeah. I would have been 19. Okay. Yep, I would have been 19. So I then did the management trainee program and I was really young to do it. Mm. And I did really well on it. I was managing like a $35 million business at 19. My first coordinator's position was at Bunnings Sandown in Victoria and it was in the trade area. And traditionally there'd never been a female in trade. So trade's the timber end of Bunnings, right? The tradey bit. The tradey bit. So everyone's like, we can't put a woman down there. So I was like short, female, pretty mouthy, and was dumped into this area and I knew nothing about it. So I'd worked in predominantly the paint department and the other end, the nursery end. So my first gig was, I'm sure now having worked in higher management, it would have been like, oh, let's just see how she goes. Let's just chuck her in. Let's just chuck her in. And, you know, I did all the things you shouldn't do as a boss, right? I got too friendly with the staff. I, you know, I did all those things wrong. So from 19 to sort of 21, I worked in lots of different stores, but I became a really good leader very quickly. Mm. So most of the men I managed were double my age. Yeah. And so I did all the fuck ups, right, really early in my career. And Bunnings were phenomenal. They were fantastic. And then I continued to work with them, grew, 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 grew my career. And I did a bit of travel at 24, 25. And yeah, I broke my back in a snowboarding accident overseas. Gosh, so you you actually broke your back. I did. I broke my back. So I was in Bunnings and then my friends, had they travelled yet? Two of my friends had gone off and travelled. Okay. And I was with Dakota's dad. 
but we were breaking up, getting back together, breaking up. Getting back. So we broke up and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go do the travel thing. And I will say Bunnings to this day was the most phenomenal company to work for. Oh, okay. So back then they taught me everything I knew about leadership, vision, values, and obviously I went and learned all about business and they paid for everything. And I was sold Bunnings shares at the ripe age of 17. So the first shares that we were sold were $6, right? Mm -hmm. And they then escalated to 45. I think they got up to 50. So I cashed my shares in and I think I had 20 grand. So 20 grand at 25 was a lot of money, right? So I, to this day, whilst I had lots of challenges in that that business, I have nothing but great memories and I'm so grateful for it. So I cashed my money in and went, I'm going overseas. This is going to be great. Got there, did the London thing, worked in the pub, so not for me yeah it just wasn't my vibe i wasn't a big drinker um wrong environment for you then wrong environment for me and i just didn't really find my feet Mm. so i decided to go abroad from there so i applied for like cruise ships and the snow all these other different places and i got in with a company where they would place you at the snowfields yeah so I packed everything up, said goodbye to my friends. And I can remember to this day, it was probably the very first time I ever felt truly alone. Oh, I did get a job in um, the body shop mm-hmm. at Victoria Station. Oh, okay. The main one, which was the busiest body shop in the world. Yeah, I would know that one. <laughs> so, but I didn't like it. So I just didn't like being in London. London yeah. wasn't for me. So I thought if I'm going to be cold, I may as well be at the snow, which is very true to my personality. So if I'm going to do it, let's do it well. So I can remember this moment so clearly. I had my backpack on my back, a front pack on my front, and I was holding a pair of um, snowboarding boots because, of course, I had to buy the best. All the gear. Did you have a puffer jacket? I would have had a puffer jacket. Well, I did. I had a puffer This was when cargo pants were in, and I had what what we all used to call the Heathrow injection. So the Aussies would get to Heathrow and we'd all put on 10 kgs because we don't have the pub environment, right? Oh. So you guys are like fish and chipping and going down the yeah. pub for an ale. And, I mean, it just doesn't exist like that here, right? No. So I got fat really quickly there. Like I, With the pub culture. Yeah, the pub culture. <laughs> I just ballooned right out. So I can remember standing at Victoria Station and a girlfriend came to say goodbye to me and then she left really quickly and she gave me a Wonder Woman card. And I remember standing there looking up at that big, just like that movie scene, looking up yeah. at all the, you know, all they're changing over. And I was standing there thinking, no one, because the internet, yeah, you could go to an internet cafe. We didn't have yes, smartphones, we had nothing, right? And I remember standing there. I hadn't spoken, I hadn't checked in with the family for a week. No one knew where I was. No one knew what I was about to do. No one knew what bus I was about to get on. Mm. And I can remember thinking, like, how fucking invigorating is this? So I got on my bus, off I went. I sat next to a girl called Laura. Oh, I'm so going to send this episode to her. Laura, if you're out there, we're still friends on Facebook. Oh, that's um, good. She is so amazing, so beautiful. So Laura and I sat together and we were on this bus and it was a double-decker bus, which is still a big fucking deal for an Aussie. Big deal. So, of course, we're up the top of the double-decker bus. And a little segue, I remember – Oh, Laura, do you remember this? If you're listening, my God, she had the hots for this guy in the bus already. And we went up to the very front of the bus. It was like a full glass thing. And we were in all these little windy, you know, we were going from Victoria Station to France to, you know, and I remember this guy going, oh, have you ever had ecstasy? 
<gasps> and I'm like, oh, yeah, like once or twice. He's like, oh, do you want some of this? Yeah, why not? Oh, no, you didn't <laughs> so on a did. journey. On a journey. Oh. And so I can remember popping this pill and then sitting in this bus and then all of a sudden it was like I was in a fucking 3D movie. Oh, oh it was pretty full on. So I don't really remember much of, no, of it. But we got there and it turns out everyone was getting dropped off at their different um, villages along the way. And it turns out Laura and I, not only were we working at the same place, but we're, in, we're, we're roomies, right? So we had eyed each other on the bus and we ended up being besties. So we work there. We set up the place to, um, you know, get everyone ready to come and stay with us. And it was like a all-inclusive type thing. Yeah. And I can remember I'd never liked beer. And you got beer for free as part <gasps> of your rent. So I was in, I was like, I have to learn how to have beer. Persevere. So I was like, this is how I would order my beer, beer a la pêche. Because <laughs> it was, so it was beer with peach cordial. It was oh, fucking horrible. No good wrongin. So, so that is what gross. I did. So I would have a beer a la pêche. And so we would drink and life was so great. I remember having Christmas Day there. We would do the morning run, her and I, and then we would go back and then you would have four or five hours in the day to, to snowboard and then we would do the night shift and you'd get two days or whatever off. It was phenomenal. I was having it off with the local ski guy. His oh, name was bet. his name was Rich. Oh, I can still remember Rich. Oh, this is so exciting. I haven't done this in so long. So anyway, this was- How a, long were you there for? Well, look, this is where it gets so shit. So life was just ticking along and you know you'd have the phone card so you'd be missing the family and this was good it was good for my mum's and my relationship because I really missed my family at this point I think I was only there for maybe six or so weeks and then off I went out for a snowboarding day and I just went out with the boys and out we went and they were snowboarding and they were all snowboarding and jumping and they were kind of like jumping off of one of the like ski huts and I sort of came down. I was a pretty decent snowboarder, but I wasn't great, right? And not to be outdone, I'll bet. Correct. So they all do it. And then I get to the edge of, so think of road runner, right? So I get to the edge and I hesitated. Oh. So when you jump, you've got to hit it with speed, right? So I get to the edge and I just fall straight down. And so I landed on my coccyx and oh. I snapped my spine. Oh. 11 and 12, crushed my vertebrae. So I can remember immediately feeling nothing. So I was like, I couldn't feel anything. So I fell straight down and I remember my legs and the board being really close to me. So my legs were like up against my face and straight away I went into shock and I knew I couldn't feel my legs. So I knew it was bad. And my next memory in reality was being on the skidoo. So they obviously got me, got me on the skidoo. I can remember the noise of it and I can remember them putting the neck brace and stuff on. And then my next memory is getting moved so we went to the local we were staying in a place called Leclusa which is in France and I remember them moving me on to get x-rayed and then I just remember this woman going too too hard too hard too hard too hard no English knowing like no no French whatever they say and I was like what and she's like too hard you go you go you go and I was like what like you know you got to go and I was like and so I had to go to Sweden, right? Oh, So wow. they couldn't deal with me. Like it was just a little medical type center. So the x-ray had shown the crushed bones. Mm-hmm. So then I got in an ambulance, but I needed passports to get across the border. I needed yeah, all this stuff. So I don't remember any of this, but they all rushed to get all of those things sorted for me. Next thing I remember waking up in I don't remember much of the trip, but I remember waking up in the x-ray room and I remember being freezing cold, like freezing cold. So now I've gotten into 
Switzerland or Switzerland? Did I say Sweden? Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland. Sorry. It would have Switzerland. been Switzerland. It was Switzerland. I meant Switzerland. So I got into Switzerland and then I was freezing. And then my next memory, I was in a room. So I'd gotten x-rayed and I remember laying there and the nurse came in and she's like, Nicole, bad, bad. Oh. <laughs> so I still don't know what's wrong with me, right? They don't speak any English, like nothing, right? And I'm, I'm like, well, I knew it was bad, but I had no idea. But I couldn't feel pain because they just kept giving me pain relief. So I was just like, what do you mean? And she's like, very bad, very bad. So she was like a student, like a, what do you call it, nursing student. Mm. So I was laying there and she was sitting at the end of my bed and she said, I'm going to stay here all night with you. And, we, and she would put pins. She was checking my oh your reflexes. She was checking my reflexes. And so I couldn't feel anything from my boobs down. Oh, wow. So the whole night I just kept falling, not in and, in and out of consciousness, right? And I was just laying flat on a bed. I wasn't in anything. And then in the night I remember her shaking me. You move, you move, you move. And I can remember like her trying to wake me up. And I remember waking up and she's like, good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And I still didn't know what was going the severity on. Of so it. this had happened in like the lunchtime. And then the next morning I woke up and was like, what the fuck? And so Rich, the guy I was having it off with, came in handy because he could speak fluent French. Perfect. Perfect. Rich came, Rich came actually, he came down to Switzerland, to which would have been a big deal now that I think about the logistics yeah. of it. And I got the whole lowdown. So they brought the x-rays in to show me because I couldn't understand. And they're like, you know, really bad, back to Australia. You could, it's like, off this you is go. Like, this is, they're like, Nicole, back Australia, Australia. <laughs> and they kept doing like playing with their hands. And I was like, fuck off i'm here for a year <laughs> i've just found my feet are you kidding me and i can just remember feeling so deflated and so pissed off and then when i saw the x-ray i was like like literally you got your fucking spine and then it's just crumbled and you can see the broken bones sitting so they say my, my the, the bones were sitting on my spinal cord which is why i couldn't but it could, i mean if it pierces it you've you've totally yeah, screwed yeah. right so that's that story. So did you go home? Oh. So then, guys, I had travel insurance. Thank goodness. And what happened then is I don't remember a lot of this, but essentially the travel insurance, I needed two nurses from Australia to fly over to me to take me home. Wow. Because I was... I had to fly home flat, right? Yeah. So with a broken back, I was in this big brace thing and I couldn't move, right? I had a catheter, I couldn't go to the toilet. So, and I would. I love a good catheter. I'd never had one before. It's terrible. I don't think I pooed for 14 days. I didn't poo till I got back to Australia. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they ended up giving me an enema. Enema? Yep, yeah, enema. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but I remember laying there and I've still kept my journals from this and it snowed the whole time, right? So imagine this Aussie girl in Switzerland by herself. And I remember looking out the window and I, I recently read this journal when I moved into this house. And I remember looking out and the snowflakes were like A4 pieces of paper. They were that huge, huge mm. right? They would flow down like a piece of paper from the sky. And I can just remember laying there and looking back at it, it was part of my journey, right? Yeah. That was the stop I needed. And I really felt grateful for my mum. and my mum and I had had a terrible relationship up until that moment. And I spent most of the time on the phone with the mm. phone card. 
And obviously everyone was notified, everyone was terrified. And once we knew that the Australians were coming, we just waited. And I don't know how long it took, but I feel like it was like a week. Like I was in the hospital for a while. It took yeah, a, to a long time to organize be... it. So I never forget this part, right? So it's Australian summer. So I'm in bed and these two nurses walk in. I remember thinking they were so hot and they were so brown, right? Yeah. Their faces and skin was so brown and they were like, oh, Nicole, hey. And then obviously I haven't heard the accent in, you know, I was the only Aussie there. Yeah. So I hadn't heard the accent in, I don't know, two or three months. And I don't even know if it was that long. So then, yeah, they packed me up and I got put on a stretcher and it was such an ordeal. So I went on a stretcher from there and then we had so many stopovers like mm. we had to go from there to Heathrow to this to that and so the reason that there was two of them is because they have to sleep in shifts yeah of course so I eventually touched down in Sydney so from door to door it was 39 hours it's not a quick journey it's not a quick journey and I remember so if you're wondering where I sit on the plane just a normal plane just a normal Qantas plane it was Qantas and they put six seats so all the Qantas seats at the back all the seats can get pushed forward and then they have this little setup. You look at it at the back. Next time you go on the back of the plane, you'll see the railings where the, the curtain goes. So the seats all go down and then they put my stretcher on it and then they put like a seat belt that goes over the top of you. And they push you on the plane first, right? So I go on the plane first and they just put the stretcher on one of the wheelie things where your drinks go on a drink cart. It's fucking hilarious, right? And so when I first, when when they got there, they're like, what have you been taking? And I was like, I've stopped taking it because I would sleep all day. Anyway, they they I remember them going, oh, my God, you're on double the dose you should be for your weight. So the reason I can't, I would have been off my face. Like whatever yeah, they were, I don't, re I mean, I've got a great memory and I can remember literally 20 minutes of being in a hospital for, you know, a week. Wow. So I remember, so they were like, don't take them anymore. And then they took over my pain relief. And I remember, you know, I had this curtain around me. And of course, once the plane took off and then they, the seatbelt sign goes off, I knew everyone was looking at me, right? Yeah. So I'm like, this is fucking weird. So I pull my curtain away. I'm like, oh, hi, everyone. I'm Nikki. Because <laughs> It's just me. So I haven't talked to anyone. So I ended up having a great old time. Like the long flights, I made friends and <laughs> they ended up letting me have a vodka. And <laughs> I was having a great old time. So I came home and I was in a back brace and I went back and worked at Bunnings because they were so amazing that they took me back. Wow. So they took me back and I went into like a HR type role. But then. hang on, how long did it take to recover from um, back? So what did they do? Uh, I had to wear a brace for three months. So I wore, so I laid flat for six weeks, I think. Imagine me, flat for six weeks. <sighs> and then I just had a back brace on. I had to put a back brace on for three months. I only threw it out a couple of years ago. But no, uh, no surgery. So you could. So when you have uh, vertebrae break, you can have it pinned. By the time I got back and was re um, x rayed in Australia, they'd already started to rebuild themselves. Fucking fascinating, right? That's amazing, isn't it? So Bloody I chose amazing. not to have surgery. Yeah. And my dad's partner was a physiotherapist. So I had some good advice. And everyone said, don't get surgery. So I never did. And to this day, touch wood, I've never had a back issue. That's unbelievable, even, isn't it? Even when I carried halves, like I had a sore back, but it wasn't because of that. It was just a separate sore back. So, yeah, I just never, like I've, I have arthritis in my neck now and my neck is chronically, it's it, got, and it's got nothing to do with nothing that. Nothing to do with it. No, I've checked many times. That's in fact, you can, you can see, you can still see the lines where it's rebuilt itself when yeah. I have an x-ray. So we've digressed. <laughs> Okay, so your back's knitted back together. Yep. 
and then you decide you're going to go back to Bunnings. Went back to Bunnings, didn't go back to a store at the beginning for obvious reasons. I couldn't drag pellets around and those sorts of things. And so I worked in HR, which okay. was really great. So I got to learn all that side of the business. You'd be good at that. Yeah, hey? I was great in HR. Very, very good. And I worked with Bunnings. I moved to Coffs Harbour for three months and I rolled out a new store there. And then eventually I got back then with, so that's why I got back with Dakota's dad. So what happened is when I got back, my friends all went back to London and travel oh, okay. and so I was by myself in Melbourne with a broken back right and Michael his dad had moved to the Gold Coast because we weren't together so I was by myself so I'm like well, what do I do so that's when I went to Coffs Harbour and was just by myself which was another really good thing to do with Bunnings and then him and I would see each other you see so then I ignited the old flame yeah that's how I got to the Gold Coast so I went from Coffs to the Gold Coast kept working in Bunnings and then I got out of Bunnings at about the I reckon I was like 26, 27, and I was going for like the store management roles yeah. by then, and I wasn't getting them, and I was getting really frustrated, and I learned a really good lesson, which I'll share with the listeners, because to this day, this is why I became the leader I am today in a corporate environment. One, I, I didn't get a, a job that I went for, and I remember the area manager, her name was Debbie, and I was like, why, like, why didn't I get the job? Yeah, I can't, and she's like, you know what, Nick, the truth is you are – a hundred like times more qualified than the person they gave it to but you will always be that 18 19 year old outspoken yeah young girl from back in the day and i had i wasn't that anymore i'd grown as a leader yeah. i was a woman now but because the perception of me mm. was back then and i probably looking back at it now i didn't have enough life experience to manage the whole store by myself yeah. But I kind of couldn't be told that then. Yeah, you weren't ready to hear And it. so she said to me, you know, you would really benefit from a career perspective of going and working in a smaller, like, box environment and go from there. And yeah. I remember thinking, well, fuck, I mean, the ego was just shattered, right? She's yeah. basically told me to leave. But best advice to that day, to this day I ever received, I left Bunnings, I went and worked in surf. I worked for City Beach for 12 months, ran my own store, God, that store took 57 million. It was a huge mm. job. And I was my own boss and I learned all sorts of things. Then I worked for Suzanne and Sports Girl. Yeah. Then I moved into like area management. So I went from one big turnover store to like 12 little stores. Then I became a state manager. Then I became a national sales manager for Quicksilver. And that started my surf career. Gosh. So national sales manager at Quicksilver was amazing because they only had six stores when I went in. And I think when I left, we had 25. Wow. So I was opening stores all over Australia, New Zealand, and, you know, I was a multi-site manager. And so by then I'm a really good leader and I'm really smart at numbers, but my superpower is I could communicate. And, yeah, and good communication. And I was great at energy, right? So then after that, I, I used to drive past the Billabong head office to get on the plane, to fly to Torquay, to work in Torquay for four days, to fly back to the Gold Coast. So it was hard. Dakota was two mm. so in that time remember the first story number two of my slumber party coming yeah. out that's when i met sim the first girlfriend i don't think i said her name last time but here we are <laughs> and i was in quicksilver so then my marriage fell apart yeah. and then i was like i need to work at billabong 
fuck flying yeah, to Melbourne. Yeah, this is mm. stupid. So then I ended up getting a job at Billabong, which was my dream. And I worked in Billabong in lots of different spaces. I went in kind of working at a wholesale, almost like a business coach. And I'd go out to all of the independent surf stores and help them try and make their businesses mm. more profitable, which was actually a really fucking cool gig. Compared to retail, it was so easy. Yeah. Cause I didn't manage the people, I only managed the owner. Mm. So I'm like, hey, here's your, I'm the retail doctor. Here's the, here's the list of what you're doing wrong. And then whether they implemented it or not wasn't yeah, my problem. So to this day, it was the best money, easiest year of my life. That's when I took up running. Good gig. Took up running, ran a marathon that year. Like you do. Like you do. And I was also, my first girlfriend was a triathlete. So that helps. It helped, yeah. And I was not a triathlete. <laughs> Okay, so I'm up to my ex and I did a bit of tag teaming with Harvey, had six months off, she had six months off, so we're going back six years. And mm -hmm. whilst uh, I had that six months off, I started your art. So I started my art business. That's right. So up until then I'd only ever painted to decorate my own home. I'd never actually sold the artwork. So in that six months I started the business, got the website going and started mm -hmm. creating art and it went really, really well. And then after that we put Harvey into daycare, a little yep. one, and then I went back to paid work and I went back as a general manager for National Tiles, okay, which is a big tile company in Australia and I think we had, I can't remember many stores, but a lot, a huge gig and probably – you know, secondary to Bunnings, the highlight mm. of my career. We changed everything, the philosophy, how they sold, everything, so many things. So I worked there for 18 months. And then after that, I worked, I took 12 months off. So okay. I wanted to take 12 months off with Harvey mm. because we both worked in corporate jobs and were traveling. And that's when I learned quite quickly that all the money in the world doesn't yeah. make you happy, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had all the things, but I was missing out on so much time yeah. and so I took, it took some convincing, but I did, I took the 12 months off. And then in that 12 months COVID hit, my relationship fell apart and it ended up being the most challenging 2020 yeah. of my life. Yeah. So 2020 completely melting down, everything flawed, you. flawed yeah. me, debilitated me actually. Mm. And then I had to obviously sell up everything because we separated. And then I went and had a short gig working with a candle company had the potential to be the best job ever, but the boss and I didn't see eye to eye. Okay. So it was his company and he just couldn't let go. And I'd, I'd worked for big big box retail yeah. where I'd had a lot of like leeway mm. and I don't do well being micromanaged. I'm very being smart. Being boxed in. Don't be boxed in. So it didn't work. And then I went into a company which was financial exchange, so foreign exchange. Mm -hmm completely different, but still managing a sales and marketing team. So I did that. And again, I think I was there just shy of a year, maybe eight months or so. And it was phenomenal, phenomenal business, really interesting, not my industry. And again, I didn't love the owner. So him yeah. and I values wise, just didn't see eye to eye. And what was coming to light by then, you know, all of these high end positions, very male dominated industry. Yes, of course. And I loved being a leader and I loved leading my team and people and I've always been a great coach and a great mentor to so many people I've got so many people that I've helped in their careers but I was getting to a point where I wanted to be the boss right because I couldn't you want to be your own boss. I wanted to be my own boss and I just didn't I couldn't do 
the bullshit anymore and mm-hmm. I couldn't and there was lies and all that shit and my values didn't align with the company values and so I gave it in. That I gave was it, it in, you're off. I gave it in in exactly a year ago today. Maybe not to the day, but February last year I started my business and I was always going to introduce the con it was going to be more consulting with other companies. Okay. And then Obviously, I focused on the art for the first six or so months and then I introduced my coaching part of my business six months ago, four four months ago. And so I work mainly with one-on-one people. I have got a container that's coming out in a few weeks' time. So a group container is where you all sign on and do an online course, a little bit like what Syndra was talking about. Yes, I've learned about these containers. I've learned about containers, so online course. So I'm doing one on confidence. So it's kind of pitched at women, you know, that don't have confidence in an aspect of their life. And I teach And it can be any aspect. It doesn't have to be in work, does it? It can be any aspect. Like you you are my targeted customer, right? Me, me, everyone. You you are, (laughs) you are. And I think of you when I'm thinking about who I want to coach because you might've lost a bit of confidence. Clearly, clearly you opened your own business. You know what you're doing, but you haven't done it for so long. No. And other things happen, you know, like, um, I can 100% say, and I try not to let it define me, but my previous relationship, um, it just, my confidence just got eroded so much. And, and I felt then walking away from that and you lose all the things that helped you hang on to some confidence and you plucked it. And I was left with, I felt I was left with nothing, nothing monetary Mm because he really did the oracle on me. Um, but also confidence wise, absolutely stripped. So I lost my confidence. I lost the material things that gave me some security Mm -hmm. and I lost friends. Mm. And and this is a really, regardless of the divorce aspect, mm. a lot of mums that stay at home, and even if they don't stay at home but they do part-time work, they're not doing the career that they were once doing, right? And I've had a couple of my one-on-one clients who had stayed at home and looked after their children and by choice loved every moment of it, but then all of a sudden they're like, how the fuck do I re-enter the world? Because the, the truth is if you're the internet, and social media has changed the way we do business. 100%. So, like, you know, what you did back then is not what you do now. No. So a lot of the clients I work with have that as their challenge and yeah. they might want to start a side hustle. They might not know what industry they're going to go into. They might not want to work but they want to find their purpose. So very similar to what Sindra was saying, I really, really agreed. I am very client dependent. So depending mm. on what they need. So if you work with me one-on-one, it's very much about what is the needs of that. And if I work with someone one-on-one, it's an eight-week program and yep. we do it via Zoom and then they have access to me daily. So they can do it from anywhere. Anywhere in the world. Yeah. I've had a client, um, I've had one client overseas so far, but yeah, so the client's one-on-one and then I've obviously got the group container. Mm. But I often do what's called a deep dive where I'll just do a 90-minute session. So I had one with a lady who was an artist. She just wanted to pick my brain. She's mm. like, I've been following an Instagram for a while. I just want to know how the fuck do I do this? Like, what do I do? And Some so direction. literally for 90 minutes, I'm like, right, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. So I would have spent probably 10 grand on marketing, which was all the waste of money. Mm. So in my first few years, because I was, it was a side hustle, I was earning a fair bit of money. So when you're earning it, you're a little bit more like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, easy come, easy go. Whereas now it's like, fuck, I'm not doing that. So I save a lot of clients a lot of money because Mm. I kind of collapse time for them and go, right, don't do any of that. This will move the needle. This will, this won't, and go from there. So, But if anyone's interested, I'm running this confidence container, jump on Instagram and my website and have a look at it. But it's going to be phenomenal because as you guys know from listening to the podcast, yes, I'm confident 
but I was floored two years ago. Mm. <laughs> I can tell you now in 2020, I had, I, I had zero self-confidence. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I wasn't working. And now here I've got three different little businesses running. You know? This is where I think we talk about how women do have to reinvent themselves and, and we're good at it because yeah, we really have to good do at it. It's and a survival. It is. Thing. And I think that the, the number one thing that I work on with the clients, the first thing we do is mindset. Mm. That is the first thing. So the first two or three weeks, unless they're already a certain way down the path, it is just their mindset. What's their self-talk? What's their yeah. routines? What do they look like? What do they think? What do they, you know, all of that stuff. And that is something that I I butted up against this for so long with my coach. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. That's not my vibe. Now I've surrendered yeah, and I'm like, I can't have a good day without doing certain things. Mm. So that has brought me to current day. Wow. How exciting. It's very exciting that is quite the story nikki they were both good stories look it's at it wasn't it interesting that we both had these kind of life-changing aha moments but mm. not in australia like you were out there knocking ducks off <laughs> So I apologise, everyone. Oh, and I'm in, I'm in France breaking my back. Yes. And then we both landed in Australia. Yep. Back in Australia. And here we are, Nikki. Here, here we are. here we are. So I've learned so much about you today, Becky. Yes, what a tangled web I weave. Um, I and it's been nice to get out of the um, out of the bedroom. Yeah, out of, out of the smut box. <laughs> <laughs> because before, um, you know what's really interesting though? A total digression. But when I said I studied visual art at uni, which I did, I majored in painting and photography. What do you think my subject matter was? So you had to have a subject matter for your paintings. What oh, do you think 100%, I painted? It would have been vulvas. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Back then we called them vaginas. We the didn't vaginas. know it was a vulva. And I remember I've still got all the artworks. Oh um, my goodness. And so clearly I have always been obsessed with the vulva. A big admirer of the vulva. And I remember my mum just being like, is that what I think it is? Because it was like pretended to be like the inside of an apple core or something. Oh, I like those ones. Yeah, they're pretty so cool. cool. They're really cool. Um, yeah, there's some, hmm, look closely into my artworks, guys. You I've, never yeah, know. Ha have a look and see what you might find. See what you might find. Well, this has been fantastic. It's been awesome. So good. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Episode 9. Episode 10 will be released shortly. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Your Say podcast. This space could be yours at the beginning of the episode, in the middle, or towards the end. If you've got a brand that aligns with our podcast and listeners, get in contact with us today on hello at yourart.com.au or you can find us on Instagram and TikTok.